Life Happens Weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. It's uh, 2.32 on uh, Life Happens on SFM. Uh, we've invited uh, Professor Mosama Shabela, who is actually acting Deputy Vice-Chair, uh, Vice-Chancellor, I'm sorry, uh, at the University of Natal, uh, Research and Innovation, and uh, we're talking COVID. Good afternoon, Prof. Thank you so much for your time. We're now in uh, Alet Level uh, 3 uh, lockdown still. Are you happy with uh, the President's pronouncement? Uh, good afternoon to you, KG, and to the listeners. Indeed, we are in alert level uh, three, and uh, in my view, I think it's a sensible approach. Um, prior to the announcement, I worried that there might be a, a kind of a pressure to relax the, the restrictions a lot more quickly, given the, the demand and the, and the need for, for opening up the economy. But uh, because of the way the numbers were still high, in as much as we've made progress, but the numbers were still high, still averaging around 12,000 um, uh, per day, then it became important that we, we open up uh, slowly and, and be cautious, not necessarily to, to end up uh, you know, creating a context or a situation where infections may start to flare up again. Yeah. So going to alert level three is more sensible, I think. And really, it, it, in itself, it carries the message that, yes, let's open up, but let's do it cautiously. And, of course, we do know that uh, these variants have a way of, uh, once they stabilize in one uh, uh, um, province, uh, then they sneak up on another. The president himself talked about being slightly worried about the Western Cape. Absolutely. And and I think that the, the highlight from the president's uh, presentation Yes, the Western Cape is still a bit of a problem, but I think he also mentioned Northwest. And Northwest is concerning even more because, if you would recall, Northwest had its own peak before Houding. And uh, yet you would expect that, uh, so Northern Cape, uh, let me me be specific, Northern Cape had its flare-up before Houding. Mm. And then what we expected was that the third wave in, in Northern Cape will come down drastically. But it didn't. It just sort of carried on with this sort of uh, line that's going to the side for much longer, together with the free state. Mm. So that for us is a little bit of a concern, and we don't want that sort of curve to happen for the whole country. Yeah. Are we happy with uh, the level of uh, vaccination? We do know that the 18 to 34s, as they call themselves the future of the country, uh, (laughs) can start uh, vaccinating as of uh, the 1st of September. Are we happy with the trajectory of uh, the vaccination? Are they having an impact? In fact, uh, they say over 6.5 million South Africans up to now have been uh, vaccinated. KG, in South Africa, the impact of vaccination is clearly shown amongst healthcare workers, Mm. where we have had a large coverage of people vaccinated. And we are able to see that we have protected a a lot of healthcare workers from uh, infections and even uh, deaths. And and I remember there was a news outbreak at some point that alleged that 50-something healthcare workers were admitted, and it wasn't true. In fact, it was only five. Mm. So, so for me, that is very symbolic to the success of vaccination. And the same message uh, or the same kind of observation can be seen all over the world in countries where uh, there is enough coverage with good vaccines. So I would say that the way we are progressing in South Africa 
One, in terms of making sure that we are now hitting an average of over 200,000, as well as also getting a lot more vaccines. And thirdly, making sure that we are opening to more people, including our, our, our prince and princesses in, in the 18 to 34-year-old age category. I, I think that is, that is really exciting, KJ. Does it matter what vaccine you get? Because, you know, uh, the fake news crew, uh, they work they work as hard as uh, those, <laughs> uh, those that are saying let's get vaccinated because we do know that we're getting uh, more J&J as of today in the country. Uh, the president spoke about, you know, having almost 31 million uh, by the end of the year of uh, J&J and Pfizer. And, of course, he alluded to some of the Chinese vaccine coming, does it matter what vaccine you get and why? Absolutely. Uh, in my view, I think that it does matter. And uh, and here, I really don't, again, I don't want to be political about it because I know that behind the debate around which vaccines, there is a, a political uh, discussion and a debate. Mm-hmm. Let me not speak to that. Let me just focus on the issue of the science. It's important that the vaccine that we have in South Africa, and this uh, has been made very clear many times, is able to basically cover the variants that we have in Mm. South Africa. Mm. That is important. If you have a vaccine that does not cover the variant that you have, in fact, not just one variant, all the three major variants that we have, the alpha, the beta, as well as the delta. So if a vaccine does not cover any one of those, then it exposes people if then to break breakthrough infections. Mm. And and this explains why even though Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine was easily accessible, the country did not go for it. Yeah. Yes, it caused a lot of controversy. Some of us we were not happy about that. Uh-huh. But once you adopt a principle that you must the vaccines must be demonstrated to work against the, the, the variants that we have, then that principle needs to be maintained. Yeah. I also think then also it needs to demonstrate that it's very good at protecting people from uh, uh, severe disease, from hospitalization, and, and from death. If vaccines are not covering that level, then it's a bit of a problem. There, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, We have considered a bit generally in the scientific community around protection from mild disease. Most people are willing to go with a vaccine that has, say, 50% protection against mild disease. But there is demand to make sure that it's got very high levels of protection for severe disease, hospitalization and death. Uh, by the way, if you want to ask uh, Professor uh, Musama Shabela a question, uh, you can uh, join in the conversation on uh, 011-714-2006 or SMS us on 41391 at RN50. You can also WhatsApp us on 0614104107. We do know also that there's a lot of people that ask the question of when do I get vaccinated if I've had COVID, especially the ones that have had COVID before. What is the official answer? Because some people say 21 days, some people say one month, some people say two months, because remember, on social media, everyone is an expert. So yes. what what is uh, the right time to wait after you've had COVID for you to get vaccinated? Yes, KG, I think that, uh, you know, we, we must acknowledge that because, you know, these vaccines are relatively are new, actually. Mm. Um, information has been coming in drips and drabs, and it's been, uh, it was modified over time. So originally, we were saying that, you know, people 
can wait up to 90 days. And of course, there was data to show that it's possible. Uh, for example, for the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine in the UK, they said that you could wait um, up to 90 days and so forth. Mm. But now what we know is that uh, it's important both in terms of um, the waiting after infection and also in terms of the waiting after the first dose that we are clear with South Africans what, what happens with those kind of wait, waiting. The first one in terms of the infection, uh, we are saying, yes, internationally, it is possible that you can get vaccinated after 14 days. But in South Africa, mm. the policy is that you must wait uh, after 30 days. 30 days, one month. 30 days, okay. one month. Okay. So, and, and this is 30 days after symptoms have resolved. There's a little bit of a, of a, of a policy that says, well, some people don't really know where, when their symptoms would have resolved and can they come back after the... Because they're the, asymptomatic, right? Exactly, after yeah. their, their, their test. Yeah. So then the guidance that came out was that then use a, 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 a figure of 35 days from the date of symptoms. Okay. And, 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 and sorry, from the date of uh, diagnosis of the test. Okay, 35 days from the day of the diagnosis when the, your test result came back and said you yeah. are positive with COVID. Erwin, Erwin in Bombela wants to join our conversation. Hello, Erwin, welcome. No, no, thanks, thanks. And then mine is twofold. Number one, uh, here in South Africa, we've got the JNA, JNJ, and the other one is the AstraZeneca, right? No, we have Pfizer and J&J. Okay, Pfizer yes. and J&J. Then I want to ask from the expert, had I been his son, which one would he advise me to take? <laughs> but you're not his son, but it's fine. I see what I you mean. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Erwin, if, yes. I mean, a, a, a prof, uh, yes. Erwin, Erwin saying, hypothetically speaking, if he yes. was your lovely son, yeah. uh, what would you say, uh, which vaccine would you say he should go and take? <laughs> yes, no, it's a very good question. I think for me personally, I've taken the J&J. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, not because I had a choice between the J&J and the Pfizer. It was because I took it as a healthcare worker under Susonke. That's what uh, I also understand, that you don't yeah. have a choice. Because when I went to get my first shot of Pfizer, I walked in and I was told, this is what you're getting. I They didn't say to me, oh, we've got a cocktail of J&J right. and Pfizer right. and whatever. Which one do you want? I was told, this is the one that you're getting. So you don't really have a choice, do you? No, okay. no. So far, yeah, so far we have not been given a choice. So depending on the program that, that you, you're getting into. So, for example, even the teachers, they were given a, an option of J&J, not necessarily Pfizer, when they did the special program for the teachers. Um, when, in fact, in the main uh, rollout, people were getting Pfizer. There's also a, a principle that says, uh, for example, people who are in remote rural areas, they may have to get the option of J&J because it's a single dose um, rather than Pfizer. And also because... It does not uh, require, uh, J&J does not require, uh, you know, difficult uh, cooling uh, uh, facilities. In okay. Terms of, uh, Did I hear you correctly support. when you said J&J is a single dose? Yes, it yes. is a single dose, Erwin. Okay, right. okay Erwin, have All a good right. day. And, and, uh, yes. Ender? Uh, no, no, he, 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 he's left. Okay. So, KG, I, I just want to add one thing. That yeah. I, I think that there is room, personally, I think that there's room to discuss 
an option around vaccines. And this, I think, has to do with the side effect profile. You know, one of the guiding principles is first and foremost, make sure that people are safe. That is important. And so I've, I've been consulted by a number of people who would say, look, I've got a history of uh, blood clots mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm worried about t- taking J&J because mm-hmm. that's the side effect that it can cause. Mm-hmm. Can I be considered for Pfizer? And people who, for example, um, are, are supposed to take Pfizer and they say, look, I've got a history of allergies. Uh, and and I've reacted to penicillin before. Mm-hmm. Can I be considered for J and J because I'm worried uh, that these allergies are a side effect profile for for Pfizer? Yeah. So for me, I, I really want to suggest that when we get to a point where vaccine doses are freely available and it's possible for people to to be given an option, that the people, the side effect profile of vaccines really be considered. In terms of efficacy, it's not a problem, but people who have his medical histories that yeah. are difficult, we may have to think carefully around what vaccine do we give them. Because I, I had a conversation with Professor uh, Shoup uh, last week who said, uh, you know, uh, one of the most important things uh, that happens in the process of vaccination, and, and that also happened to me, is that you get asked, even before yeah. they vaccinate you, what kind of issues, comorbidities, allergies, and things like that you have. Isn't that an important question still? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's why I'm, I'm making this point. I think that it's understandable when you don't have enough vaccine doses mm. that you may actually just say, look, it's more important for you to be vaccinated with what we have that mm. we know works. But mm. I think the moment you have the sort of privilege of choice, um, if it's possible at all, then one of the things you're going to have to consider is, for example, what we said, are people able to come back okay. or are people in environments where they, they've got the cooling facilities or not? Okay. Or in this case, I'm adding that if people have medical histories, that may affect the side effect profile. Okay. We've got Godfrey now in Palm Ridge. Hello, Godfrey. Hello, ma'am. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Your question? I'm fine. Ma'am, uh, I, I was vaccinated on the 6th of uh, July. Yeah? Y- yeah. And then after vaccinating, then uh, I start having something like flu, like, you understand? Mm-hmm. And then from there, I start, I buy the flu uh, medication, and then till the 13th of July, then I, I found that no, there is no, um, it's going less. Then I went to uh, the clinic uh, for checkup, and then they, I was uh, tested, and they said I'm positive, uh, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And then they gave me, they say I must wait for uh, uh, 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, yeah, which, uh, which even even today, I'm still in the in the house, uh, quarantine. Mm-hmm. But now I just want to know that uh, uh, because of they said before I uh, vaccinated, I was I was positive. Mm-hmm. So so now I want to know that uh, for the second shot. So how long must I wait to get the second shot? Okay, please listen on the radio, Godfrey. Uh, I, I think you got it, Prof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Godfrey is asking layers and layers of questions in Mm. one. Um, Mm. Let me try and unpack a few things that are important. I I think that um, 
we have to acknowledge that when we are vaccinating a lot of people in the midst of a third wave, it's possible that people can catch uh, COVID-19, mm-hmm. be it before, be it during vaccination, be it after vaccination, especially because the protection that the vaccine will help will start after 14 days mm-hmm. from vaccination. It mm-hmm. will start then. Irrespective but of which one? Irrespective of which one, it's the way the immune system begins to develop in a person. It takes a bit of time. Mm -hmm. So you start to get protection after 14 days. And if you took J&J, you'll get full vaccination after one month. And if you've got Pfizer, it's going to happen two weeks after the second dose. So uh, the, the, the issue of how immunity Uh, happens, it's important for people to understand. That's the first thing. The second thing is that um, it's really important that we understand that when you take a vaccine for COVID-19, people are likely to have symptoms that uh, feel like it's flu. Mm, mm. It's it's because um, the vaccines are mimicking the the, the COVID-19. So, but we say that these symptoms will not last more than 24 to 48 hours. So you might feel tired, you might have a bit of a headache, mm. you you know you might have a little bit of a fever, but not more than uh, 48 hours. Two days. If it happens that it goes uh, beyond 48 hours, then that needs medical consultation. Mm-hmm. And this is the information that people need to receive, and usually you get it on the package when you get vaccinated. But we just need to make sure that it's clear that people will have symptoms that are flu-like a bit, and, and these are part of the process by which the body begins to trigger your, your immune system by mimicking some symptoms of what might be COVID-19. But these are, are not severe, and they only last 48 hours. But it is really good that Godfrey went and, and got tested. And in fact, I think that uh, testing could have happened a little bit earlier. But I'm glad that he went and tested and now he's actually um, uh, uh, isolating. Yeah, I've I've got one minute, uh, uh, Prof. How much longer does he need to wait uh, before he gets his second dose? Uh, I think there's a six-week gap between the first and the second dose. Yeah, so 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 in terms of the the second dose, for I'm assuming that he took Pfizer, right? Yeah. Okay, so in terms of the second dose um, of, uh, of of vaccine, we have to wait 30 days. And Pfizer, you can actually wait up to 12 weeks from from research. But I think in this case, uh, what what I may suggest is that. Uh, Godfrey consults with the doctor at the site of the vaccination to find out how long he should wait. Okay. Personally, personally, I think that because we do have flexibility in in terms of research of uh, two to four weeks, 14, 14 days to 30 days, I could make an exception in his case to vaccinate him after 14 days. Okay. But, Prof, know, my time has gone days. with me. I have sure. to go to a commercial break. But thank you very much, Professor uh, Musama Shabela, uh, Acting Deputy Vice Chancellor, Research and Innovation at the University of Guazulu Natal.